0: Well, good morning. Okay, you know you cannot pass on a virus from just just acknowledging another person's presence, right? Uh, Let me try that again. Good morning. morning. Ever so much better. And I want to thank you for joining us in here. I want to also thank you for joining us in the tent. How cool is that? Um, and, And for those who are joining us online, I realize that there is a variety of ways to connect right now, and we live in an unprecedented time that we haven't seen in And forever. And and let me just say that today, this morning, is probably one of the most practical and one of the most clear evidences that God's truth is living and active. And it is literally applicable for every situation. And if you've been part of this, let me encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 26, because what we're going to see today is very uh, applicable, applicable to our time. And it's, a, it's an ability that we're going to learn eight lessons in a very short amount of time that really are the keys to success in dealing with any kind of conflict. And I don't know where you are on the, uh, the conflict of the day. Do we wear a mask? Do we not? Do we, do we engage? Do we not? Do I go out, stay in? Do I sit down, turn around, pick a bell of cotton? What do I do? in order to be able to uh, to address the situations of the day. And I can't help but realize that one of the greatest abilities and qualities that we need to have is the ability to deal with conflict. Deal with those who are enemies, if you will. And, and to properly deal with that is going to be such a gift. And this morning we're going to see that in an incredible way. Now I'm, I'm a bit odd in the sense that I've gotten to the point in my life where I actually enjoy speaking with and talking with and having conversations with those who disagree with whatever it is I have a conviction about. I love listening to be able to see what am I missing, what is the spot that I need to change, and how does that work? Now, I realize in our culture right now, it's on the other end of the spectrum that one of the greatest fears in life is that we're going to have conflict or disagreement. And we walk on eggshells because we're afraid that the the greatest offense of all is that I might offend someone with something. Well, let me just give us a, a big, clear reality check here. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter where you are, at some point, you're going to offend somebody. And people are not going to like you. No matter how hard we try, it's just not going to happen. And I've heard it put this way before, especially as we come into this political season. um, I love to listen to those who have an opposite thought, but I love asking questions and I really have never done really any political humor um, until the last election, and I did it for like one week, I just said, hey, if you're from a red state, congratulations. If you're from a blue state, welcome to the first week of the end of the world. Uh, it's just, it's, it's this extreme of, of everything. And I heard it put this way a couple weeks ago. Somebody said, hey, with the way things are and financially, if, uh, if you're thinking I'm a little bit tight on money this year and you're, you're not sure Christmas is going to be what it is, he says, I've, I've got a great way to save a bunch of money at Christmas. And I thought, well, do tell. He says, well, at Thanksgiving, invite everybody you know over for Thanksgiving and say, hey, let's talk politics. And... You will literally eliminate half the people from your Christmas list just by doing that. Because it's so supercharged in the sense that we have to agree. We have to to just have everybody agree. I have to agree with everybody. And the truth is there's going to be conflicts. And in chapter 26 of 1 Samuel, we see David and his, his conflict with the king Saul And it is an unbelievable lesson. I want to encourage you, if you have something to write with, write these down. Or if you're joining back online because you're like, what were those eight lessons? Because when conflict happens, one of these lessons is going to be one that will literally make a transformational difference in every situation where there's conflict. And I want to jump right in. In the first part, now, I want to encourage you in twofold. One, I'm about to say a bunch of words that, a bunch of names and places that sound a little bit odd. And, and let me say, if I pronounce them different than Drew and Chad, take their enunciation of them, okay? Because they're much smarter than I am. But starting out in chapter 26, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now the Ziphites came to Saul in Gebriah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hills of Hichelah, um, opposite of Jezimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000, don't miss that one, chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hichelah. Which is opposite Jezaman by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness. And he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David sent therefore out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. Now. If you haven't been a part of the series, this is the first part of the series that you're looking at. Let me just encourage you with just a tiny bit of background. David had done nothing wrong but support the king. He's the one who stood up when all of Israel shuddered away from Goliath. And he said, I'll stand up against this giant because God is with us. And he put on the king's armor. He's done everything. And yet Saul was jealous of David. Even to the point of trying to kill David. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you saw where literally he was chasing after David to kill him. David had hid with his men in a cave. Saul went in to go to the bathroom. And David's literally sitting there going, okay. And he cuts off a corner of his robe and saying, hey, I could have killed you. You're coming to kill me. I could have killed you. Here's your robe. And he's like, oh, Wow. You really are a supporter of me. But now, a couple chapters later, Saul is now listening to these people, and they're like, hey, you really ought to kill David. And he's like, okay, let's go find him and kill him again. And I mean, it's like, what what do you got to do? Here's the first major lesson. Once David said, is he seriously still coming after to kill me? Here's the first lesson. The first lesson is simply this. I have no control. I have no control what other people think or feel about me. I have none. David could not have been more supportive, could not have been more encouraging, and yet the king wanted to kill him. Big, huge lesson to learn. The question we have to ask ourselves is, What am I going to do understanding? we'll learn the lesson that not everybody's going to like me. We live in a time of social media. Now, let me just, you don't have to raise your hand, but shake your head if you've heard this before. You know what? I posted this, and I got this many likes, and I got this many shares, and our self-worth is, how many people like me? How many people agree with me? And uh, the, here's the really convicting part. Let's say you post something and you got 178 likes and it's so great and I got 12 shares and then there's one person who comments, I hate this and you are a racist. What? And that's all we think about. There's something in us that wants everybody to like us. You know, let me give you a newsflash into the New Testament where Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said, They hated me. They're going to hate you. Jesus. They hated me. They're going to hate you. And the lesson we take is to stop looking at everybody liking us. Instead say, God, am I right with you? And is my heart right with others? Because I can't control what they're doing and saying. I don't know if you've had the—I do want you to raise your hands, and even if you're in the tent or watching at home, I want you to raise your hand just as an acknowledgement for me if you have either binge-watched or watched more than you would normally watch over these last six months you've watched more. Raise your hands. Okay, that's most of us. And I would love for you to tell me what you've watched that was really worth watching and just save me some time. But I'm going to give you one documentary. It actually won, I think it was a Grammy a couple, of, not a Grammy, that's the music, isn't it? Uh, what's, the, what's the award for movies? Oscars. It won an Oscar for the best documentary a couple years ago. It's called Undefeated. And I saw it on Netflix and my wife had heard about it. And I said, yeah, let's, let's watch that tonight. We watched it with the kids. I was blown away. It's about a businessman who... Uh, lives in Memphis, Tennessee, and and his heart was just stirred by this inner city school that was massively neglected. Well, he was a football guy, and he literally ends up going to the school, and I'll save all the details, but get to the point of he literally devotes years of his life, six years, to volunteer as the football coach at this school that was just in disarray. And he pours into these young men, pours his life, his family into these young men. And what happens through that time of six years is transformational. And it's just, there's two or three scenes, and I was sharing with some folks backstage. I I do not get emotional at movies, but in this documentary, I found myself at this one point just weeping. And this guy pours in, and he got other men to come alongside and pour into these students. And and the effect that it had was amazing. And then I read some of the comments that people had written in the newspapers and articles bashing this guy for only caring about certain people. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. Here's a guy who has literally poured in everything. Time, money, volunteered, friends, influence to pour into them. And, and who are you to sit and criticize that? I literally, I got mad and in my own mind I'm like, why don't you just get off your couch and go do something? Instead of complaining about somebody who is. But you see, here's the deal. The lesson is simple. Why am I doing it? Am I doing it for the praise of others or am I doing it from the right heart? And the lesson is simply this. I have no control of what others think and I need to let that go. If we look at the next verse, we see the next lesson. In verse 5 it says, So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul laid within the camp with the people encamped around him. Look at the first part of that verse 5. So David arose and came to the place where Saul encamped. Second lesson, go to the source. Go to the source, directly to the source. If there's conflict and if it's within my power, go to the source. He's like, if he's there, he verified it, he says, I'm going to Saul. I'm going there to deal with it. What's the conflict? And that lesson, I don't know what age it is for most of us. Some have not even gotten there. I know a lot of people that would rather go to social media and blast and scream and complain than go to the source. Instead of going to someone that can actually do something and resolute, we're going to complain about everything. My second son is so excited because he's now, after months, he's back at school and he's so excited. He's a pilot and he's back in the plane and he's back flying and he's like, dad, it's incredible. But he took a break to go see some friends for a weekend and his new roommate and he came back to his apartment and his roommate had had some friends over. And they'd gone into his room and they had literally slept in his room and they had eaten all his food and they had literally, he's got his flight bag with some very expensive equipment in it. And he said, they'd gone through my bag and they left my stuff all over my room and they messed up my bed and they ate all my food. And he's like, what the heck? And we talked about it and he called me and he says, you know what, I can't talk to him right now, I'm so mad. I'm like, that's wise. Get perspective. And I said, but you need to go to him, directly to him. He says, I know, but I'm going to break it down. And then he called me and told me the process he went through of just saying, here's the issues. You know what? I I just need you to to respect my stuff. And he just handled it so incredibly. And I love this word. I love the word he used. He says, I guess this is what adulting is all about. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I never heard that word. Adulting 101, dealing with conflict. It is. It's the biblical sense of going, you know what? The second one is go to the source. He went to the source. And the third lesson comes from verses 6 through 7. It says, Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishah the son of Zariah the brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And there Saul laying sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground next to his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Get that scene for a second. We'll talk about it in a minute. Literally, the king's in the middle, his guards next to him, and 3,000 soldiers around him. And I love this. I love David. Really, this lesson is huge. And the lesson is simply this, don't go alone. And when there's conflict, there's something about having somebody with us. And Now, get get the commitment of Abishai in this situation. He's like, hey, they're here. They're here to kill me. He brought 3,000 men. And they're all armed. Who wants to go with me? And Habishai is like, oh, I'll go with you. Okay, let's go. Don't go alone. There's something powerful about having a, an advocate with us in the sense of conflict. They don't have to say anything, but I, I tell you, there's a perspective there. I'll never forget one of the first mentors I had after college, a multi-multi-millionaire um, Land developer, and he would take me sometimes. He goes, "Hey, I've got this meeting. Will you just go, go with me? We'll grab lunch afterwards." I'm like, "Sure," and I'm thinking, "Why am I here?" And afterwards, he would just ask me questions. He goes, "What? How did you read this? What did you do here?" And I'm thinking, "Dude, you're the successful one. I'm just, I just graduated from college." And he would say, yeah, but I want your perspective. And I'd share, well, it just didn't make sense to me. Why are they asking you this? If it's so successful, why do they need you? And he goes, that's exactly the question I'm asking. And and he would just question and bounce off. And there's something about having somebody in the situation. And the third lesson is huge. Don't go it alone. Now, now here's probably one of my favorites. Because setting the scene, there's actually 3,002 Heavily armed men, and they're going in. And here's the fourth one, it's in verses 8 through 11. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. They go in everybody's asleep, they walk through 3,000 people, there's the king, the king spears next to his head with his water jug, and Abishai, his, his, his friend, his confidant is sitting there going, well, this is obvious, he's tried to kill you. We walk through here, there's a spear, just I'll pin him to the ground, I don't need two shots, I mean, it, this is easy. And then David responds. He's like, look, God has delivered him into your hands. The guy who's tried to kill you, you gave him a chance, and now he's here to kill you again? Let me do this. I got this. Don't get your hands dirty. I'll take care of it. In verse 9, and here comes the lesson. David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please, now, take the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let's go. Now the lesson I'm going to share in a second, but can't you see Abishai? I mean, he's right there. He says, go take the spear and the jug, and he goes, and I mean, there's the king, and there's the spear, and it's like, "Mm, okay, all right, I'm going to listen to you, because here, and this is one of the most powerful lessons at all in conflict, it's simply this, do not lower our standards to the the narrative, and boy, is that not apropos today, that I'm not going to let you set the standard with whatever you're talking about. I'm not going to let the king's mental capacity to, to discern, determine the standards. I'm going to go with what God says, even what I, against what I feel, what I think. I'm going to trust God above me. I'm going to trust God's narrative above what's being thrown at me. And how does that apply to you and I today? Are we going to listen to the narrative that's thrown of fear and, and, and destruction? And, or, or am I going to go, wait a minute, God, what's your standard? Love. What's your standard? Compassion. What's your standard? Lord, I'm going to trust you over what I think and feel. I'm not going to listen to the narrative today. I'm going to listen to your truth in the midst of this. And if you want to see what David's mindset, what was going on there, I want to encourage you. You can look. God had laid on my heart before I ever heard about this series to start memorizing Psalm 34. I just kept coming back to it, and I'm like, Lord, that is, what a great psalm. And I've been memorizing chapter 34. It's in David's most conflicted times and several pieces of this. And I can't help but think in verse 7 of Psalm 34 where it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I can't help but think David is not thinking about this time where he saw the encampment of an army around a king, and that wouldn't even save him. But Lord, when you encamp, I fear you, I fear no one else. And Lord, you will save me. The righteous man may have many troubles, but you deliver him from them all. Lord, I trust in you above anything else. And your narrative is so much higher than any other narrative that the world will give. I'm going to trust your standard, not what I think or feel. And then we go to verse 12, which is one of the most powerful ones. So David took a spear in the jug of the water by Saul's head and they got away. And no man saw or knew it or awoke. And here it is. For they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Here's the lesson, the lesson of conflict, and that is God is at work for us. This is where the reality, the experiential faith comes from. In the midst of conflict, God is at work. They walked into 3,000 armed soldiers walked in, took a spear and a jug, and walked out, and it was never noticed. That's reality. For those of us who trust Christ, that is our reality. My oldest son is going through a, a rough time. He graduated from the University of Georgia during COVID. He had done an amazing job over the past two years of lining up internships performing incredibly, lining up opportunity after opportunity. So when he graduated, he had this this just launching pad of opportunities in his field, which is music business. And then COVID happened. And all of that evaporated. And and all the contacts he had still there said, listen, when this ends, we want you and we're going to do this, but we're so sorry. Nothing is happening right now instead of being bitter, he, he really grabbed on to this idea that God is working for us. And his attitude has been unbelievable. He says, you know what? What are you going to do? He says, you know what? I, I have an opportunity. I wait tables at a really nice restaurant. And I'm just going to work hard. And I'm going to save up money. And even in the midst of that, he said, Dad, I, he came in one night to our bedroom after getting off of work. He's working five doubles a week and just... Working his tail off. He's doing really well. It's not what he wants to do forever. It's not what he worked for, planned for, and diligently prepared for. But he's like, you know what? I started listening to a devotional every day on my way to work. It's about 10 minutes, and it just sets your mind in the right direction. He said, today, I had to laugh because the guy was sharing. He says, you know what? I sat down at breakfast this morning, and I held a glass of orange juice. He says, you know what, God? I don't even deserve a glass of orange juice. I deserve to go to hell. Instead, I get a glass of orange juice. Thank you. And he said, that just, he said, it just really set my mind right. He said, I went to work. and He says, you know what? I don't even look at my tips. I don't even look at my tips during the day because I want to just pour into people. And I said, God is going to honor that. And I pray that God's favor would rest upon him. And a couple nights later, he came in and he was crying. I said, dude, what's up? And he said, I just... I don't understand it, but I just, I keep listening. I keep working hard. I just want to have a good attitude. He says, these ladies came in today, and they they went to pay their bill, and they said, hey, can I ask you a quick question? He goes, sure, absolutely. You need some to-go drinks or whatever? They said, no, we're good, but why are you so happy? And he said, well, he says, you know what, I'm just thankful. And he told him about school and not getting to do what he did. He said, but I get to be here with nice people like you, and I'm just thankful that I have this to do. And she gave him the card, and another lady said, hey, I, wanna, I want you to, to, will you run my card? I want to buy a drink to go. And He says, I'll just get you a drink. She goes, no, I want to buy one. And he says, "A lady bought a drink to go and left him a $20 tip. And the lady who bought lunch left him a $20 tip. He says, Dad, this guy came in. And he just, he had a, a burger or something, left me a $50 tip. And I said, dude, God's favor is resting on you. God is at work in you, for you. And I said, the fact you don't even look at your tips before you go home, you you said, God, I trust you above what I can do. That makes the difference. God is at work. Verses 13 through 17 in the next couple lessons as we wrap up. Now David went over to the other side and stood on top of the hill Off at a great distance between him and the armies. Now David's going to, man, he's going to cut loose. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner. What a bummer name. I'm, I'm Abner Ner. Okay, he deserves it. Saying, do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner turned and he said, who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, are you not a man? I love this one. And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded the Lord the King? For one of the people came in to destroy the Lord the King, your Lord the King. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice, said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my Lord, O King. At that point he's like saying, Hey, here's the deal. The the lesson from this is very simply, stick to the facts. He's calling it out. He's like, let's go past all emotion. Let's go past everything else. Here's the fact. I had a chance to kill you, and I did not. And I'm going to stick to the facts. In our time right now, let me just encourage us, stick to the facts. If we watch the news, if we listen to the media, don't have to raise your hands, but let me just say, how many of you are like I am? I'm just tired. I'm tired of the, the hype and the fear and the mongering of, of spin. It's like, let, let's look at the facts. I stopped watching news. I have friends who are doctors. I look at the raw facts from the CDC, and, and I, I, I reconcile those two. And I thought, you know what? Here's the deal. This is not an opinion. It's not, it's not my opinion. It's, it's a fact. Do you know what percentage of people walking around today in the United States, in the state of Ohio, do not have COVID-19? 99.6%. Do not have COVID-19. Not an opinion. You take the number of cases divided by the population. We don't have it. Of those who do have COVID-19, less than 1% of those are serious or critical. Now, bring it down to the individual level. Those who have pre-existing conditions, should we respect them? Absolutely. Should we do what we can to help them? 100%. I have a pre-existing condition called heart disease. But when I look at the truth and I know of God, then I'm like, okay, for me, this is this. I've had friends of mine at, at church who had said, you know what? I I I, I still feel safer at home, and I'm like, you should. You're not doing anything wrong. You're doing it right. You're looking out for your health. That's good. But look at the facts. Listen to your doctor. Don't listen to the media and the hype. Stick to the facts. Truth is, you have a two times greater chance of dying in a car accident than from COVID-19. And if you don't have a pre-existing condition, it's more like 16 times. Does that mean I'm going to park my car and never drive again? No. Stick to the facts. In the time of conflict, stick to the facts. And then the last couple are probably, this is, this is one of the most powerful. And if you miss all the other lessons, don't miss this one. In verses 18 through 20, and he said, Why does the Lord thus pursue his servant? And for what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servants. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is from the children of men. May they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. So now, do not let my blood fall on the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as one would hunt for partridge in the mountains. King, compared to you, I'm I'm a flea. Go out to the mountains to hunt for a bird. Why are you chasing me? Get perspective here. And what he is pleading to the king is simply this. And the lesson is relationship above all. Stop listening to others. Listen to God and listen to your heart. And if it's a God, then let me make an offering to him. But if it's these men, my relationship with you, that's what I care about. And man, you want to dissolve a conflict? Go to the source and say, are we okay? We don't have to agree on everything, but I want you to know I love you and I'm completely committed to you, period. And it just dissolves conflict. And say, hey, we don't have to talk about this, but I, I want you to know that I consider this above all. And then once we get to that point, and we realize this is it. Then the final one is probably one of the most powerful, but one of the most difficult. In 20 th- 21 through the rest of the chapter, it says Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much in the day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. And then here it is. Don't miss the lesson. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. The final lesson in conflict, move on. Move on. Move forward. Resolution. It's done. It's okay. It's over. Can we we talk one to each other in a relationship? Yeah, we can come back to that. But listen, when we take those lessons, and and trust me, as you read through this, you're going to add lessons to that. But it makes all the difference in the world in dealing with conflicts and dealing with our time today. I want to pray, and then I want to just give you an opportunity that's coming up if you're a man. But let me pray for us. Will you bow your heads with me? And and Lord, I thank you so much that humans don't change. We still want our way. We still want to think what we think is the best for everybody, and it's not. You care individually. Lord, thank you for giving us your truth and guiding us to the reality that you are in control. And you long to teach us these lessons through your truth today in our situation. I pray that you'd bring them to our heart and our minds. I pray that we would go back to this part of of Samuel 26 and say, Lord, show me those lessons again and again so that we can be your hands and feet, so we can be the peace of Jesus. And Lord, I love you and thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 34, and I want to encourage you to go look at it, it just says, it says, put aside evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And these lessons will speak to that. Well, if there's one area of life and uh, let me ask you, at, in the tent, in here or at home, if you're a man, raise your hand real quick. just the men, just the men. All right. Gentlemen, I want to give you an opportunity that is coming up starting next Sunday. Next Sunday night at eight o'clock, and Monday mornings at 6:09. If you're a night person, that's the perfect time. If you're a morning person, that's definitely a perfect time. We're going to do an authentic men's series. Now, we've done several of these before. They're six weeks long. If you can make all six, it's great. If you can't, it's still okay. Come to any of them. But this particular one, God has given us a charge. And I believe that God sometimes gives us a a, a command, an encouragement, a directive that he knows we can't live with. He says, live with a woman in an understanding way. Live with your spouse in an understanding way. The most illogical, emotional creation he's ever made. Live an understanding way with that. Because he knew we would have to go, God, help. And help is on its way. What authentic manhood is, is we literally, we take an opportunity to sit down. We look at some truth, a couple principles. And you're going to sit at a table with some other guys. You don't have to talk. You can. But I'm telling you, when you take a truth and then talk about it, And then I'm going to share a couple examples and other truth and we talk about it. And it, it, it lasts about an hour and 20 minutes and it is just one of the richest times of my week to just sit and go, wow, number one, I'm not alone and I take something I can immediately use and it just speaks to my heart. So whether it's to come back here next week or whether it's to sign up for that, go online. I want to encourage you, be a part of that, gentlemen. If you've never been a part of one, this is the perfect one to start. If you're a single guy, you can get ahead of the game, sit around some guys and go, okay. So it was meant for good and I can do this and this is great. If you're a married guy, you're going to walk away, I promise, each week going, man, This was good. I hope you can make it. Make your reservations for next week. Thanks for being here. God bless you. Apply those lessons this week. I promise your conflicts will turn into peace. Have a good one.